On Wednesday mornings, our Bible study looks at the gospel for each coming Sunday. And the first thing we do is read it through once, listening for a word or a phrase that jumps out. And then we share aloud that one word or phrase. No explanation, no conversation. And this week, for the first time that I can remember since I've been here, most of us had the same word. Woe. Woe, 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 woe. It was kind of like a mini symphony. And having recently spent a vacation riding horses, the woes sounded like, whoa. <laughs> and even before reading the gospel just now, I was tempted to ask you all to listen for a word. And I'm guessing this sanctuary may have been filled right now with, whoa, 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 whoa. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who are laughing now. Woe to you when all speak well of you. It's kind of a shock after hearing those lovely blessings. Blessings we think we know from the Sermon on the Mount. But this isn't the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew's Gospel. We hear that every year on All Saints Day. This was the Sermon on the Plain from Luke's Gospel. And it's a passage that hasn't been in our rotation to read on a Sunday for over a decade. We don't have the familiar phrase from Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke begins, blessed are the poor, period. And there are no woes in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. So, of course, the woes here in the Sermon on the Plain bring us up short. Woe to you who are rich. Well, that's me and in the context of global wealth and the global economic scale. That's most of us here. Woe to you who are full. Yeah, me again. You who are laughing now, well, not right now. This isn't really a fun passage to look at. Woe when all speak well of you. Well, I certainly like that. And is there anyone here who doesn't? So what are we to make of this? And there's a saying that flies among, around among theologians and biblical scholars, preachers, people studying the Bible. And that phrase is that scripture comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. The source of that is actually secular and referred to a non-theological context, but the saying does ring true of scripture. And this passage definitely afflicts those of us who are comfortable. And we'd much rather spiritualize the passage and make it about us being poor in spirit. Make the woes applied to someone else, other powers that be that are not as bad as anything we would do. But that's not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is pointing out the radical inequity of the world today, contrasting the blessed 
and the woes. Jesus is pointing to God's presence on the level plane within the inequity and pointing out where God is not present through the woes. So the context for this sermon that he gives is that Jesus is surrounded on a plane by people who have flocked to him for healing. They've come to him with their woes. He's just called the 12 disciples in the passage before this. He's named them. They have descended down onto the plain into a great multitude of people. Scripture says they come from Judea, Jerusalem, Tyre, and Sidon. That's, you know, Galilee here, Jerusalem, Judea, way down here, and then way up high, Tyre and Sidon. This is meant to evoke a huge crowd. People wanted to hear him, and they wanted to be healed. And they were. Power came out of from him and healed them all. Imagine Jesus, the epicenter of this broad crowd, what Reverend Nate called in Bible study, a massive zone of healing. And Jesus' healing did not radiate down from above. Rather, he entered the masses, he entered the pain, and the healing radiated out. Jesus became one of the crowd. And it's at this point that the sermon begins. He speaks to his disciples, who are the closest to him physically. He speaks to them about what they've witnessed. God is in the suffering now. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, to be blessed does not mean an absence of struggle. The Greek for blessed connotes being satisfied, unburdened, and at peace. Blessed are the hungry now, those who weep now. The healing that had just happened meant that there was transformation in the now. Jesus in the suffering, transforming that suffering and healing it. And in these blessings, Jesus points to transformation in the future, God's kingdom now, but also the fulfillment of God's kingdom in the future. And that's when Jesus flips the picture to point to where God is not present, the woes. Jesus pokes at our heart of hearts and where we put our hearts and our attachments where we put them that are in the places that are not of God, the places that serve our own interests, and the things we cling to for meaning and security that are not God, perhaps our wealth, our possessions, our physical safety, our prestige, reputation, self-satisfaction those things we crave and that we hoard. Woe is a warning. It's a lament, an expression of what is terrible. Woe does not mean a curse for all time, but rather a hard word of warning that's meant to cut to our hearts. 
These words are meant to shake us out of our comfort. And the jolt is actually a sacred invitation to look at what it is in what Jesus is saying that disturbs us. And for each of us, that may be a different thing. Where do these woes scratch at us, gnaw at us? These are the rough edges Jesus invites us to look at. What bugs you when you hear these? Are we prioritizing ourselves, relying on ourselves, our well-being, our resourcefulness over relying on God? Are we prioritizing achievement and success and acclaim, prioritizing getting things done for us, for being busy, versus facing the undone and broken in ourselves and others in the world? These are not comfortable questions. Yet the sacred call is to let this discomfort enter our marrow. I think there's a reason this gospel ended at this point. It ends on the woes. If you come back next week, you're going to get the follow-on, and it's not as woeful. Promise. (laughs) But here, at this moment of woe, we're invited to sit with this discomfort, to look at what is disjointed, the hurts, the confusion, perhaps our confusion about what God is actually saying here. Because in the depths of the wrestling with that disjointedness and that discomfort, in those depths lie Jesus. In those depths lie our transformation. Scripture is not easy. The Bible is not a self-help tome. It is God help. And God help often involves suffering. It involves letting go of relying on ourself, relying on easy answers. Thomas Merton wrote a wonderful little book on reading scripture called Opening the Bible. And in it he discusses how scripture is an encounter with God one that is transforming and liberating at the most personal level. Yet in his words, quote, it is of the very nature of the Bible to affront, perplex, and astonish the human mind. Hence the reader who opens the Bible must be prepared for disorientation, confusion, incomprehension, and perhaps outrage. Merton points out that the Bible raises the question of our identity, who we are in ourselves and in God, in a way that no other book does. And here we are at this passage, poking hard at our identity and where we put our hearts. How are we conformed to this world instead of being conformed to Christ? So let us sit today with the discomfort of where today's passage ended. What is Jesus calling each of us to look at? Where are we standing in the way of putting ourselves with Jesus 
on the level plane? Where have we elevated ourselves above all? What needs to be leveled? Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who are laughing now. Woe to you when all speak well of you. Woe. May we let this passage pull us up short. Let us set aside our fear. And may we let the transforming and liberating power of God's word work on our hearts till they become incarnate in our lives. Amen.